Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. So I'm just back from a, a guy's snowboarding weekend in Austria, in Raris. It was really good. There was nine of us, and um, we had... Two and a half days down there, just um, hammering around the slopes. We went to Salbach and some other places. Really good, lot, lot, lot of good, lot of good banter, and you know, sometimes good to get away with your friends uh, once or twice a year. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, in terms of what I've been up to, uh, obviously, Apps Events. Uh, as you all know, it's um, the company I founded. We're a Google for Education partner. I've been pretty busy with Apps Events. We had an event in Mongolia uh, last weekend. Obviously, I wasn't there which went really well. Um, it's, it's great to do stuff in new countries. We've, we've got a few new countries this year. We're doing events in, in Japan we've never done before. Just agreed a summit in Serbia. We're going to run in the autumn. We're running an event in Brazil next month, which I still might try to get, a, get across for. So, so lots of good stuff and lots of work for Google we're doing as well. I'm actually heading across to Amsterdam next week, taking the family as well. There's a Google Partner Summit. So we're, we're what's called a PD partner, a, a professional development partner. And I'm helping present to some other professional development partners in the Google office in uh, Amsterdam. So in terms of events frame, that's obviously the company who sponsors this podcast. Uh, it's an event ticketing system, which, which I co-founded. Please check it out over at eventsframe.com. Just a bit of background. It integrates with all the major payment gateways, like you can use Stripe, PayPal, Braintree or even bank transfer offline. And it, it integrates with all the major email marketing systems, including MailChimp, uh, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber. We actually just started into integrating with webinar software as well. We have a great integration with uh, Demio. And just a side point, the founder has, of Demio has a great podcast called the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. I was interviewed on that last week, so go and check it out. So please... Check out EventsFrame. It's, it's what pays for the bills for this podcast. It's a great ticketing system. And if you run any kind of events, there's a prices plan starting from only $20 a month. So it's affordable for everybody. And there's no ticket fees, just flat, low pricing. So otherwise, in terms of my stuff, I'm actually going to be looking after the baby today. I've got a nine-month-old baby and my wife's bringing him into the office. I'm not sure how much work I'm going to do. It depends how much he sleeps, I guess, but it should be a fun day. And then after work, I'm off to meet a friend of mine, uh, Simon Whistler, I haven't seen for a while. He's an interesting guy. He's actually a YouTuber, and um, he's built kind of a cool studio here in Prague. So I'm looking forward to going and uh, checking out his studio and having a beer with Simon. So on to the interview. This week, it was a pleasure to talk to Mariska Kestelou. She's the founder of a website called Word of Mice. And she's an expert in social media marketing and influencer marketing. Now, these are kind of two topics... I really know very little about. I'm really trying to expand my presence on social media and learn how to use it. And I know it's a thing that it's really easy to waste a lot of time on. So I wanted to talk to Mariska about it. And secondly, influencer marketing. I mean, this is kind of like, I guess it's got negative connotations to me. You imagine, you know, the kind of self-obsessed teenage teenagers posting on Instagram. Uh, but she talks about how it's you know, really something that you can find concrete influences in your area. And even, even how you can do this for free using your speakers and, and other people connected to your event and how you can actually concretely get it, uh, get signups for, for your event. 
And Mariska was also interesting because she's, you know, I always look at things and most listeners of this podcast look at things from the point of view of the event organizer, but she's worked a lot with venues, resorts, destinations, even countries. So she gives us a good perspective on the other side and, and also on how we can use that to negotiate to get good deals because, you know, sometimes we forget it's a very competitive landscape for venues as well and they want your events and there's a lot of things you can do to get better deals and how to negotiate with them. So again, it was a real pleasure to talk to Mariska and on to the interview. Hello and welcome to the events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Mariska Kestelou, I hope I'm saying it correctly, who is from the Netherlands, but based in Belgium, I think right now. Uh, And we're going to be talking about influencer marketing and social media marketing. So welcome, uh, Mariska. Thank you very much for the invitation. Great. So, Mariska, we were just talking beforehand. Where where, where are you actually living right now? For a lot of people, it's quite confusing. After 15 years, I'm now back in my home country in the Netherlands. But you're correct. Before that, I lived four months in the United States and before that, nine years in Belgium. So you're correct. A lot of people people still think that I was living in Belgium, but I'm now back since actually a month. I'm back in my home country. Great. I travel a lot on, I'm on the Sky Team. I'm on KLM Flying Blue scheme. So I fly all the time through Schiphol. I was, in, I was at Schiphol, you know, Amsterdam Airport, I guess three days ago. I'm there every, every single month. I know that I know everything in that airport. So, well, I, I like it, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's just, it's got worse actually, but it, it, it's a really good airport to transfer through because generally speaking, until recently anyway, you, you only, they only ever did a, like a passport scan. They never, never any bag check. Now they've started doing this secondary check, which makes it a, a nightmare sometimes if you're unlucky, but, but generally like it, it's a really good airport to go through. Yes, indeed. Correct. Because I was quite surprised and I posted it two weeks ago when I went to Istanbul. So for international flights, you don't need to open your suitcase and get out the liquids and put off your belt and your shoes. You can just put on your all your luggage on um, at the security. Even your water, you can take uh, take it with you, and you can go through the scan. Which was I was so surprised by so many airports. It's a hassle to get. <laughs> It feels sometimes like a striptease putting everything off. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I like Amsterdam Airport. I've spent too much time there in the KLM Business Lounge. <laughs> but yeah, so, so let, let's get into your background, really. So you, you, your website is wordofmice.com. And uh, like I mentioned before, you do a lot of influencer marketing. So can we just go like start from the beginning and just talk about what your background is in, in the events industry and what you've done? My background actually is not in the meetings and events industry. I studied tourism in the Netherlands where I grew up. And I worked for almost 10 years in the tourism industry. And at that time, already destinations, because I lived in several countries, in Turkey, Tunisia, Spain, France, Morocco, already destinations came to me and said, Mariska, you have such a great network. What can you do to support us? We would like to have more clients. So that question already came already 10 years ago, but I I didn't know how to support them and, and find the right to give them yeah, the information that they need. Um, and since eight years ago, I switched to the meetings and events industry, got involved in MPI, Meetings Professionals International. Now, wh- and wh- what is what is Meetings Professionals International? I've never heard of it. No? Oh, okay, I'm quite... Well, I have. No, I, I'm, I tell a lie. I've heard of it. I've heard of MPI, but and I know it's an organization, but I don't know much about it. Um, MPI is an international association, so it stands for Meeting Professionals International. 
It is um, 40 or 45 years ago already. It started in the United States. Uh, the headquarters is in Dallas. And their main focus is education. So education for everyone who is planning or facilitating events. Right. This means um, if you're a meeting planner, if you're a sales manager of a hotel, so they invest a lot of time and effort in getting education for people who are working in the meeting and events industry. And I'm, I'm still part of the board, but I will leave the board after being dedicated member and president of the chapter in Belgium after, after six years. So I'll leave in, in July my, uh, my position. But it's been really, it's, an, it's a big association. It's one, of the, uh, it's one of the largest in the world. We have 18,000 members all around the world from Japan until Europe, until the United States. So it's really, it's quite huge. And we have also a large industry voice, which means we can achieve to really make our industry more professional and yeah, more educated. Great. So, so, so you were saying you got involved with MPI then as kind of a starting point? Yes, because I wanted to grow my network. Yeah. I was a Dutch living, living in Belgium and it's not so easy to build up in a foreign country. You know that as well. To build up uh, your, your network and get in touch with like-minded people. So it was the best decision ever to, to get involved in MPI and to grow my network. And thanks to that, until today, um, thanks to MPI, I'm standing where I'm standing now. Not only on a professional level, but also on a personal level. I met friends for life got more self-confident. I give now presentations all around the world, which I never thought that I would that I would do it. But being being involved in a in an association and where you get the support and risk, ah, you um, you should do that more often. You're great at it. So everyone who's listening to this podcast, it it doesn't need to be MPI. It can also be any other association site which is more related to incentives how, how do they help let's say somebody wants to join how would they how would this association help them specifically um so mpi a chapter is like it's like running a running a company in in every uh, in every uh, country so so you could run you could run the chapter for like netherlands and you'd run it like as a as kind of like almost like a franchise you'd run the local office and, and you do, do meetups and stuff Yes, yes, indeed. So we, if you would like to know more about events or would like to know more about education or even finance, of course, we, we need or you would like to involve to get more partners in or partnerships. There are many, many uh, possibilities. And what I did as a chapter president, I always looked towards the person in front of me and saying, what would you like to do or what would you like to learn or what would you like to improve? Um, is it communication? Is it partnership? Is it, uh, so I look towards the, the wishes of the person in front of me and put them on the position that they wanted so in the board. Is it focused on like the venues, the hotels, more than the conference organizers? Uh, no, we had, we were, that was our strength and in the same time our weakness. We have a very diverse people of members and engagers. So PCOs, associations, conference, um, conference event planners, even people from Hamels Briscoe, sales managers of hotels, freelancers, um, people from MCI, just mention a couple of companies who were involved in our chapter, people from the press, students, um, seniors. So it's, it's a very diverse uh, group of people, which make it also very dynamic. Cool. So I can really recommend it, anyone who would like to get more involved or like enlarge a larger network, learn more, is curious or eager to 
um, to try to new things and MPI or any other association, of course, um, would be a great step to move forward in your career. Great. So, so let, let's get to your career. What did you do in the event industry? What, what was your kind of work that, that you did? Um, I worked five years as a event as an event professional on very very different positions. I was involved in startups, was involved in incentive planning, involved in DMC. So, and during those years working as a freelance event planner, I discovered the struggle and the challenge of the supplier side that they were not showing what they were doing. I mean, in our industry, it's really a more than a billion dollar industry. We spend so much on executing the events, but we don't show that to a new potential audience what exactly kind of events we are doing. So if we come back and say it in a nutshell, the storytelling. And I was really sometimes frustrated if I, as a freelance event planner, went to a fair or exhibition and saying, well, why should I organize an event in your venue or in your destination? And so often I got the standard reply from, well, we have 300 hotel rooms, we have 10,000 square meeting rooms, and we are a four-star property. That doesn't say anything about what kind of audience do you want to have in your property or destination. So coming from the travel industry and being inspired by so many travel bloggers, I said, isn't that something that we can do similar um, in our industry. So I came up with the idea of using influencers, uh, bloggers and vloggers from our industry, but who have a background of knowledge, like five or 10 years working in our industry, who know what a PCO, DMA, DMO um, is, and what it stands for, but more important that they have that network of decision makers who are following them. So that was the idea that popped up in 2000 and already in 2016, yeah, time passes by quickly. And then I started in 2017 by creating that community online of uh, social media influencers or mice influencers and connecting them to potential, to potential clients, which can be suppliers, technology providers, DMCs, hotels, conventions. And what, for the audience, what, for the audience what, uh, who don't know, what, what is DMC? And you, you said some other uh, initials there as well. Uh, DMC is a destination management company. So, for example, if you would like to organize an event in a city or a country where you don't know, where you don't have the knowledge or a network or where you don't speak the language, it is a perfect reference point to reach out to DMO or DMC um, to, to help them to support, to find the right venue or to... Or to get everything to get everything organized, that you have a local partner who has a network, and of course also the insurances to help you to build your upcoming events. And that's right. a and a convention bureau as well. I mean, they are well depending on the country, but they can also support you with uh, finding or the right DMC or finding the right partner to to organize your your event. Great. Well, most people listening to this are, are organizing conferences or events, some big, some small. Um, so let's talk a bit about um, social media marketing and influencer marketing and how they could start to, to use that. Do you want to start off with um, just social media marketing in general and, and what that is and, and how, and then we can talk about what it is and then how people running events could, could start to use that if they're not already uh, active? Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, first of all, I think social media marketing is, is essential, is key nowadays to, to make your event um, successful. And I think it's very important if you start up, if you're organizing an event, the first step that you need to do is who is your audience? Um, because we're always focusing on a large, a large audience, but I think the most important thing is who is your target audience? Yeah. And with, and within that audience, you can look first of all to, and who are the who are the influencers, but also who are your speakers, because you could use your and that's one of the tips that I would like to share. Um, who are the speakers speaking at your event, and they could also be a sort of influencer promoting, helping promoting uh, your event, because they're already speaking. It's for them also a natural way of promoting themselves. So get them involved from a very early step and help them spreading your message um, into into that audience that you want to reach out to. I was actually talking to a guest the other week and he gets all his speakers to um, record a YouTube video promoting the event and get, gets them to share it on YouTube and then they, they use that as well. And it also good social proof on the website because people can see the speakers definitely coming. They can see that you know they're excited to be there and it also helps promote it as well. That was a really good tip I got. Yes, yes, indeed, it can be on YouTube. Of course, video is now hot and it's um, you get a higher reach and more engagement than, of course, via a blog or just a regular post. But I do it as well because I speak at several events and I think it's more than natural. Um, I do it always also without asking to, to say, okay, next week or in one month um, I'm speaking at that event or I'm preparing my presentation or my travels towards a destination. So it is a, a great way of getting more um, more awareness, more visibility for your event to engage all the speakers, but also stakeholders, AV company, or anyone. Could, could we just stick on the speakers for a second? Like, yes. It's a great idea. What else, apart from getting their speakers to make a YouTube video, how can like an event organizer use the speakers to, um, to promote the event? Um, well, uh, there is actually another, um, um, well, let me go back to the point. Yeah. I think if you could prepare a standard, a standard post, because some speakers, um, don't have the time or don't have, are always very, very active on social media. So if you yeah, could yeah. prepare as an event organizer, a standard post and saying, would you like to share our event? Here is the post. You only need to copy paste it yeah, within your tip. LinkedIn uh, or in your Twitter or in your Twitter feed. Adapt it, of course, to the several social media channels. That saves a lot of time for the speakers, and with that, they can you can create much more engagement. And you can do that for the speakers as well, of course, for all the other people who are involved in your in your event. But for speakers, this is a great way to for time saving, and is and it's a benefit for both of them, for great. both parties. And and what else do you, do you like? Um, do you tell, do you say look? Could you post this on on Twitter or, or Instagram, or do you just let it, leave it up to them, depending on where they're active? Um, well, every every speaker, of course, promotes it on the channel where he or she is more more active. Um, I when I do a camp, influencer campaign, we usually work for for suppliers, so we um, we don't work for for the events because there is another great company which is a great friend of mine, Rachel Steven, perhaps it's a, um, for the next uh, podcast, she, is, uh, she has that company called Snowball, 
and she's creating a specific tool to get speakers or other stakeholders more engaged or creating that awareness and visibility for for your upcoming events. So there are also tools like Snowball who you could use to create more engagement and visibility for your for your upcoming event and where you can standardize posts on the several adapted for the several channels. Great. And what else before we get onto the influencer side like in terms of social media is there any any sort of like process that you recommend to really promote on social media? I mean, obviously, you know, pretty much everyone creates an Instagram page, uh, sorry, a Facebook, sorry, a Facebook page. They, they, they post on Twitter and, and Instagram, maybe make some videos also go on Facebook and Instagram. Is, is there any kind of concrete things you've seen work really well for people, people promoting events or even promoting venues? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I see from, from a lot of, uh, the, the biggest mistake and I, even I did it in, in the start when I started with social, social media is social media is a conversation. So you want to create a conversation with your followers. So don't always say um, promote yourself as a venue, yeah. but ask a question, ask to create more uh, more engagement or not only promoting your venue or your, your event, but also trying to create a conversation, post something in general about the industry, for example, about trends or developments, not only focusing on, on the promotion side, it's a conversation that you want with your audience or followers. And also, if you're only promoting yourself, people will will not be engaged after 10 or 20 posts when they only see how high, look how great I am. Um, so I think from anyone who starts with with social media it's a conversation you want to build up engagement with your with your followers and that is something that you need to every step that you take or every post that you do is is this really interesting for the persons who will read the post and that is something that you need to be more aware of and are you active much on linkedin or is it mainly sort of facebook twitter instagram well, I'm active on all the channels, which is uh, quite yeah. challenging. Um, but my personal favorite is still LinkedIn. Really? Because I started from from the very early step when um, I'm already more, I think, more than 10 years uh, profile on LinkedIn, and I still love it because it is. Um, well, you see a shift, but it's still the most professional channel. Um, don't people don't post? Uh, Look what I'm wearing today, but it's really more on the yeah, news, trends, um, developments. And I also notice if you are posting in, in on a regular way, it is, it is easy to, to create an audience, a professional audience of, of followers. So LinkedIn is my personal favorite, but it's of course for everyone a different, but, a, but the second one, which is, um, which is of course a very big upcoming channel is of course Instagram, Instagram stories, why you create pretty quickly a large audience of followers. Definitely. With with um, LinkedIn, is there, is there any specific tips in how you use it? I mean, for example, do you use like LinkedIn Sales Navigator to be able to find more contacts on there? Or is there any sort of concrete ways you use, you use uh, LinkedIn? Um, what I use on LinkedIn, for example, if I get uh, requests from people who just want to link with me, I always, uh, and they don't add any personal message, I always um, send them a personal message Hey, um, you, apparently you're interested to connect with me. What is your reason? Can I support you? Can sure. I introduce you to That's someone in my, uh, in my network? 
And also the other way around, if you have met, and that's what I see a lot, uh, a lot on after events, you have a pile of business cards, um, reach out to them directly after the event because then they are still fresh, they will remember you um, and send a, a personal message, hey, we met each other at, uh, for example, at this and this event, it was great talking to you. And then people are also more likely to directly add you to the to the network because they still remember and it's still fresh. So if you have an event and you have new contacts, follow up directly the day after or within a couple of days, follow it up by LinkedIn. That's a great way to to grow your network more quickly. And do you use it as a sales channel? Like do you use Sales Navigator and look for contacts who you might be interested in working with and send them a, a connection request and, and then you know see if, if, if they then might be interested to work with you? Yes, yes. And I also get, this also works the other way. I also get people say, hey, um, watch your profile. It's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. That's also the way how we connect it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I sent you a message. Exactly right. Yeah, correct. So, so it really, it really works. But it's also about the personal, a personal relationship. So, I think people use it just to add their contacts. But sometimes just two lines or two sentences and said, "Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Or you have an interesting profile? Let's jump on a chat." Um, yeah, it takes a little bit more time, but the contacts that you get out of it are so valuable. And like we have the podcast now today so it is really a valuable channel to to gain more business in a in a, in a well, i would say in a fast way but in, on a long term definitely now um you mentioned influencer marketing briefly when you you mentioned about speakers now can you start from the beginning like what is influencer marketing and then we can get into how an event organizer could could look to start to use it in the beginning yes well, first of all, I would like to say there's a lot of misperceptions about influencer marketing. The, the image that we have is uh, young millennials posting on Instagram or any other channels with new clothes or new makeup. Yes, those are influencers as well. But there's a difference between B2C and B2B um, yes. influencer marketing. And therefore, I want to be that clear from the start. Um, we use influencers as experts, and there's a great saying in China, they use the word call, which means key opinion leader. So we use the right person to, for example, you want to create more awareness in, in, uh, in Germany, where you don't have any network or any connection, then it's a great way to get in touch with a key opinion leader from your industry in Germany, saying, hey, I'm interested to work together, um, I'm interested in your audience, I'm interested in your experience because you have done a lot of events in Germany. Can we talk or can we set up a campaign? So you reach out to people because yep. you want to create more awareness or visibility or you want to take them into an action. And I think that's the the biggest summary of, of influencer, influencer marketing and their huge difference between B2C and B2B. B2B is really all about knowledge and connecting the right people. So, so essentially, you know, you, you look for somebody who you think is influential in your field. Now, mm -hmm. do these, do, it, does it, how does it work? Is it typically you pay them some money to help you or is it sometimes like they just help you because they want to help you and they like what you're doing or you, off, you sometimes offer to help them. How does this typically work? 
well, we set up campaigns for long term because we work in the B2B. So we need to do a campaign at least of four, but preferably six months or longer to create that awareness and visibility and also to see the impact of the campaign. So, and therefore you already have the answer on the question because the influencer on average work a half day or one day per week during six months of the campaign. That's about at least 20, 26 days that they're working. So they get paid to, to do, to work on this campaign like and, and, any and other. When you say, sorry, Tinter, when you say yeah. working half a day or, or half a day a week, what are, they, what are they actually doing? Are they just, they're posting half a day a week uh, mm-hmm. on your behalf? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. So when we set up a campaign, when we get a request from a supplier, um, um, let me go back um, a little bit more so you understand the, the process. We, when we uh, receive a request from a supplier, it's very important that we do our research and saying what is the audience that you want to, that you want to reach or what is the desired audience that you want to get in touch with. And by doing a research, we find the right profile of the influencer. So then we reach out to, for example, to an event planner in Germany and saying, okay, you have that influencer, you have that right profile. How would you translate the outcome of the campaign, which more visibility or awareness or our working on reputation? How would you translate that into your network? So we reach out to different, to different people with similar profiles and then we get outcome is, of course, for everyone different because everyone has his own style and his own way of working and, of course, his focus on his own channels. And then we go back to the client and we present those different profiles of the influencer, the different input of the campaign, and they choose if it's one or several influencers. And then together we're going to set up uh, if they've made their choice, we're going to set up the content calendar. Which means, of course, the influencer comes and visits your event or your hotel or, or your location or goes. Um, and then with that, they're going to set up the content calendar for, for six months, which is a huge amount uh, of work. And then, of course, within that time, um, we are regularly in touch with, with, this, uh, with the client saying anything to change, anything to add. Do we need to modify anything? Is there another event that they can attend, etc.? So in that way, um, it is work to not only to post, but also to anticipate. They also do research perhaps about their competitors, which they don't always have time to screen the profiles of their competitors. So I say the influencers are always also the eyes and ears online of your company. Right. Now, is this? do you think this influencer marketing model is something that's viable for someone like starting out running their first conference who maybe doesn't have much of a budget? Is there a way they can hack this cheaply? Or is this, is this only something for someone who's got a big budget and, and is really kind of established? No, of course not. You can also do it on a very low budget or even without a budget. If there is an added value, like for example, speakers are promoting your event or your conference, yep. you can also reach out to an influencer saying, hey, I'm starting up this conference. Is there something that we can do together? And it's not always about the money. If there's an added value for that influence or for that person to get involved and in saying, hey, I see also the potential. This could be something really cool. This is of my interest. For the organizer, perhaps they could give a, a free ticket or a, a free stay during the conference. Um, and if that's an added value for the influencer to get involved and to promote it within his or her network, of course, this can also be done on a low budget. Yeah. But... I repeat again, it needs to be 
matching with the values of the influencer. And if the influencer says no, it means that perhaps either it's not of that interest of their uh, for their followers. But it's a it's a great way to do a campaign, also on a very on a very low budget. Um, I mean, uh, this is not a B two B example, but a B two C example. I always give the example of the ice bucket challenge. How powerful that could be by people copying that behavior. I said, we can do that as well in our industry, the mice bucket challenge. So you just need to have a good goal, a good strategy and timing to spread your And your what campaign. was the mice bucket challenge? <laughs> no, we haven't, we haven't done that, but oh, okay. my dream, <laughs> it is my dream to create a mice bucket challenge and show the impact of B2B uh, influencer marketing in our, in our industry. Interesting, because like, because you're kind of very much on the other side to people I normally am involved with in terms of you're often working with venues and, and destinations. Whereas, you know, I'm I'm someone who produces a lot of my own conferences and and, um, and I have software ticketing software for people that run conferences and a lot of my friends do. So it's kind of on the other side. It's interesting to think that the venues uh, are also desperate to promote themselves to get to get the conferences to come. Because sometimes you don't always realize that, you know, because a lot of venues can be kind of like a pain to deal with, you know, <laughs> yes. but um, and, and not especially good at selling themselves, to be honest, like almost like trying to put roadblocks in your way and just telling you all the extra things they're going to charge you for, you know, where it's interesting that some venues are actually going out there and really trying to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as I being an event planner myself, I know what it is also to be at on the other side so but a lot of venues i mean there's so much competition nowadays and to make the choice for for the venue the venue should be actually happy to to have you and to get you involved if you want to create a conference and especially if you're doing uh, a campaign behind it and some people and, and the, it really depends of course on the venue and the person that you're working with but if you're saying I am promoting your venue for this amount of people and it will be posted every two weeks, your venue, or there will be put a backlink um, directly to your venue, directly to your dedicated landing page. They also will, yeah, they will be also more aware or perhaps you have an audience that they're interested in. So I think it's also... Um, it depends on the venue, but I think it also depends on the communication between the event planner and the venue. Sure. Um, that was really an interesting chat, Mushka. Uh, I think we're, we're almost up to the, to the half hour now. Uh, is there anything else you want to say uh, in closing? Where, where can people find you online? Well, of course, I'm, uh, you can find me on the, under my own name, Mariska Kestelo, or you can find me on the Word of Mice. I am active on, on all channels. And for those who are listening to the podcast, and if you are an event planner or event organizer and you're very active on social media, I'm also looking for professional people, enthusiastic event planners who would like to work as an influencer. So um, I'm not only looking for clients, but also looking to expand the community of influencers. So please reach out to me if you would like to get involved in our community. Great. And just, I guess the final question in terms of influencers, like, is it, I mean, do you normally look for like a number of followers or is it more like if you're, if you can see some, someone might have a small number of followers, but be very influential. Does, does it, is, is there kind of metrics you look at or is it just really depend on the person? Uh, first of all, yes, of course, it depends on the person. I don't always look to the number of followers because I also have millennials who are so enthusiastic and they want to become an influencer in our industry, but they lack, of course, that amount of followers. 
Um, so I have very different people in different stage of their lives and diff focus on different types on the market because the, the mice industry, the meetings and events industry is so large and everyone has his own focus, his own niche. So I first have a, a personal conversation with everyone before I connect with them or add them in the community. So if you're not sure if you're the right profile, just reach out to me and, um, and perhaps you are the person that we're looking for for the next campaign. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Mariska, and all the best. Okay, thank you so much, Dan, for the invitation. Nice talking to you. Too. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com.